Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. Welcome to another edition. The place, of course, where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, you're very lucky because we bring someone who's shaping the world of business. And our business shaper is usually someone who's defined their own way. And they've probably beaten the odds in the process as well. Uh, and these people always, I, I say always, generally have an amazing story. My business shaper today, who I'm sure will have an amazing story as well, is Kit Kemp MBE, no less. And Kit Kemp has been creating inspiring, vibrant and playful interiors for almost three decades. She's also the design director of the Firmdale Hotels, which she co-owns with her husband, Tim. Firmdale, if you don't know, includes a Soho, Ham Yard, Number 16 and Dorset Square in London, as well as Cosby Street Hotel and the Whitby Hotel in New York. I've been to some of them, but not all. So you know what I'm going to be doing in the next few weeks. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining. Thank you. How did you get into the crazy business of hotels? Um, Because you've built up an amazing, I mean, an amazing array and tasteful, and we'll come on to taste and the role of aesthetics that it plays for you and why you have such a good eye and so on. But yeah, let's take take me back a little bit, three decades or so. Right. Um, Well, I had my own little company called Barnacle because I was working in shipping before that. So I travelled to places like Mexico and Guatemala and managed to sort of bring back wonderful fabrics. So I've always loved textiles. But um, I met my husband through Leszek Nowitzki, who's an architect that I worked for also and was a good friend. And um, Tim had uh, small properties in London, but they were for students. And so when we got together, we decided that maybe we might try and upgrade a building and and, um, bring it to another level. And the first building was? Was Dorset Square Hotel in Dorset Square, which was the site of the first Lord's Cricket Ground. And incidentally, there was a balloon ascent there in the 1800s. Um, But it was a very sort of dilapidated building, Regency. And um, I don't actually remember Tim ever asking me to get involved, but I was rather keen on him. And we were, it was before we were married. And I thought, well, the only way is to just just start working with him or I'd never see him. But in a sense, your your qualification for it was that what? I mean, you hadn't worked. You, you, were you an interior designer by, by trade? No, I'd done a bit of graphic design before, um, making little sort of brochures and things like that. But um, that's what I wanted to do. And I think lots of people put things in their way. They say, once I've got a degree, once I've, uh, uh, I know how to do CAD, once I can do this, I'm going to start. But I think actually with the arrogance of youth, sometimes you've just got to go for it and not put anything in your way. And at that time, lots lots of things to pick up on. Firstly, you're working, or you have been working with your husband, he was then your boyfriend. Mm. What was that like? I want to come back to that. But, <laughs> but secondly, your design aesthetic, you were young and you said the arrogance of youth. And I hear that a lot, which is if you don't know the barriers, you, you don't, you're not aware of them, you just crack on. What was that early look like and how did you come across it was it from it was from the travel but specifically how did you alight on that first bit of design in the Dorset Square 
Well, it was hotel. in the 80s. And I think we had the first country house hotel in London because Dorset Square is quite a sort of le- leafy square. Mm. And oddly enough, nobody had actually thought of that sort of title before. And um, it was small. Nobody wanted small hotels. If you had under 80 keys, they thought it wasn't really a goer. Um, but that didn't put us off. And Funnily enough, we had a little restaurant there, and when it was still a building site, we somebody knew Anton Moserman, so we invited him to come along and stand in this basement which was dripping with rain. And he looked at the kitchen and he said, he was wearing white patent leather shoes at the time, <laughs> he said, you will never cook a meal in this kitchen. <laughs> so we thought, well... Um, I think we might have to ignore that, (laughs) which we did. And bless him, many years later, he came along and said, well done. (laughs) Stay with me to find out more about that, but also specifically my question around working with Tim and what that's been like and how it's evolved. Time to lose it right now, though, before we go back to Kit. This is a cover of Nat King Cole's Ballerina. It's Gregory Porter. lovely big version there of Nat King Cole's original ballerina from Gregory Porter. I'm with Kit Kemp. We're talking dilapidations. We're talking relationships. We're talking going back into the 80s. So you mentioned that moment of uh, the wonderful Mr. Mossiman. Um, and I've eaten at one of his restaurants many years ago. And he's a fabulous chef, so he probably mm-hmm. didn't know what he was talking about. Yes. Um, tell me about the relationship with Tim. You said, obviously, it's young love at that point, And you're kind of unaware. I imagine both of you are trying to impress each other. <laughs> you got your hands dirty and you got stuck in. Were you proud of that very first hotel that you created? And if so, why? Well, it was a bit like Topsy. It just grew. I remember we almost weren't going to have... Because uh, Tim had come from student accommodation and we were little more than students ourselves. I mean, Friday nights in our student hotels was fabulous. We used to have guitarists playing and it was wonderful. But this idea that we we didn't like a vacuum-packed feel in, in hotels and we wanted to to make them much younger and give a sort of certain vibe. Um, so uh, we, we just had this sort of idea together. But, and, and it sounds very natural. It sounds like it, it evolved. Um, mm-hmm. Did you, when you went into it, obviously it was the first hotel you both created, was there any sense of trepidation? Was there any sense of nerves? Or was it just like, well, we'll see what happens and if it works, it works? Um, or was no, it a bit more focused than that? Well, it, it was focused because there's so much uh, money involved. Um, but no, we, we really, we were just going to do it no matter what. It's a bit like running the marathon. Once you start, you don't think you're not going to finish. You know you're going to. It's just the amount of time it takes and how long it's going to be before it's a success. And you and Tim have been doing the same thing for quite a while. Go back a little bit then, that relationship blossoms. Um, what's it like working with your husband and what's it been like? Well, we're like? both quite autonomous. We both have our, our different areas. And um, I started out working in a cupboard, but now I have a whole building. And Tim has his. He's in Golden Square and I'm in South Kensington in Thurlow Place. So I have my design studio there. Um, and so that's developed in its own way as well. So as well as doing the hotels, I do collaborations and work with um, with other designers as well to do wallpaper and fabric collections and working with Wedgwood to do dinner services and Wilton Carpets to do um, a hotel boutique collection. And a special like range that. with anthology. 
I wrote. Yes, anthropology, anthropology as well. Anthropology, indeed, not even anthology. It's something else completely <laughs> different. We don't know. Well, maybe we should do something with anthology. We'll just create an anthology of books, which we'll come to. You're a writer as well. But this, the as that developed, again, the confidence to go off and do these collaborations, has that just evolved or is it something you had in the back of your mind years ago? Um, it's an organic process. And if I can't find things, um, I will commission them. I've got a very good focus of what I want to achieve at the end of the day. And I'm curious, and sometimes you just have to be a little bit frightened. But if somebody asks you to do something, I'm never going to turn it down. I'm going to really do my best. Mm. And that cupboard that you're in versus the, the, the place you're in now, which is much more space, does it make any difference to you? Are you still the same person? Do you think that you were then is with the same attitude? Very much so, because I still have the same things that I really love and I believe in uh, with my design and with our hotels. And nowadays you get so much being thrown at you all the time. If you don't go back to your little closet of things that you really believe in and you love and you can focus on and you know are right, you can get a bit lost. And inspiration, in a word, where at the moment mm. do you find that from? Because it's it's a very busy market. Everyone's designing. Everyone's got a new designer boutique hotel. In the way, it just wasn't true in the 80s, I think. And as you said, if it wasn't above 80, 80 rooms, I guess you weren't interested. Everyone now wants to create these things. How mm. do you still find the edge for you? I don't think it's about trying to create something which has so-called high-heeled shoes. It has to have an intrinsic style to it. And I'm not trying to shock people. I just know that there has to be that sense of arrival. There has to make something that makes it different and makes people feel that there's that sense of adventure. Because I do think travel is about a sense of adventure. And I also think it shouldn't be too serious. It should be fun. I think if you're traveling and you're feeling a bit lonely, uh, your room is your friend. And if you're inside it and there's something that makes you want to ask more about it, to be curious about it. You forget about anything else and you're part of that adventure. Stay with me for my adventure here with Kit Kemper and we're talking all about hotels and rooms being friends, which is a nice way of talking about them and a nice antithesis to many of the big hotels where maybe they're not so friendly and not places you really want to stay in. Uh, anyway, uh, more coming up from Kit, as I said, but also we've got some words of advice right now from our programme partners at Mishkondoret for your business. Hi, my name is Andrew Goldstone and I'm a partner in the tax group at Mishkondorea. My advice for any entrepreneur at any stage of business is to become tax aware. Even if you're a startup, do spend the time and money. A couple of hours on the web can teach you a lot about what tax structures are out there. And then when you do go and see your tax advisor, you'll be prepared. You won't be paying good money just to be told the basics. Instead, you'll get tailored tax advice on what really makes sense for you and your business. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. If you're enjoying what you're hearing today here on Jazz Shapers, don't forget there are many more ways to hear this programme, plus hundreds of former guests on it. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers, and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you put Jazz Shapers into iTunes, you'll get the full archive of programmes to enjoy. And also, if you find yourself on a British Airways flight to or from the US, you can enjoy us on the in-flight BA High Life service as well. But today, right here, right now, my guest is Kit Kemp, and she is one of the owners and also um, founders and designers 
design directors at the Firmdale Group of hotels, with the Hamyard in there, with the Soho in there, and with lots of lovely other places around the world, a couple in New York as well, which I must visit. Um, though that would involve a trip to New York as well, which may not be happening imminently. You've, you've talked about... Um, the way that your design aesthetic has grown and, and that inspiration, as you said, it's not the magic, you know, the one-off thing. It's about a general vibe. Don't take it too seriously. You're now running a business with your husband of over a 1,000 people, way over, probably towards 1,500 people, across multiple locations with big money involved. Um, how do you maintain the sense of what it is that you want to achieve every day? Not just when you do the ho- when you you know create take the dilapidated building, but when you're delivering service every day. How does that happen for you? That's not a problem. I don't find that a difficulty at all. Um, the difficulty is just getting everything to work in sync. And um, I once heard uh, Giorgio Armani say that he never likes to go in his shops because he's always going to find something wrong. Well, it's true. But I can cycle around all our buildings in London and uh, go into every single one and just check. And I don't want it to feel like a formula or a brand. Every one of those buildings should have its own character and you should feel that when you go within it. And um, also, um, for example, in New York, there there are two new builds. So to build new builds in New York uh, can give you a few grey hairs. But at the end of it, um, it, it's quite a satisfying thing. And I know what I want to see within those buildings. And Actually, part of the joy is, is upgrading them all the time. All the time we're re- we, re- we redo rooms. We do about sort of 30 a year. And so when guests come, things are changing all the time. And I think they enjoy that. It strikes me also you're into the little details. As you walk into the ham yard off of whatever the road is in Piccadilly, there's a little spark. Yeah, there's little sparkly lights, which I don't know if you did or whether it was the public realm. No, we did that. Right, and it's lovely. So you've got this. If you go online, try and find this somewhere. But basically, little lights that navigate from this street, and suddenly you're in the world of the ham yard. Mm. Literally, you're in a yard, and then you go in there. But you know, those five oak trees, which are thirty feet tall, we actually they were the first thing that we bought when we um, when we created the building. Of course, you. Talking with architects, and mm. it takes about six or seven years to complete the whole thing. But uh, we bought the, the first thing we bought were five 30 foot oak trees, and they were then the last things that went in. And only when they arrived, suddenly did Hamyard take place and people that we were trying to describe how it would be suddenly said oh yes now we know what you mean Mm. but does it it, it, there's that other sense that sense of attention to detail even in the color of the wood that you use i noticed Mm. that in the ham yard recently it's there's little touches there which seem really personal rather than corporate now keeping that up on at scale is surely difficult no it is but i wouldn't have anything in the hotels that i wouldn't have in my own home and I think that's that's uh, uh, something which is possibly different from others. And there are very few um, people who actually have a site, build the hotel, design it, and then stay with it and run it. Most of these hotels are, are run by corporations, and there are many different designers involved. And so there isn't that congruent feel throughout mm. the building that we have because it's a very small team. And on the congruence piece, just on that, how would your team, who know that this attention to detail is important, that you're, you've got very high standards, very exacting. How would they describe Kit when you jump off of your cycle? Do they go, 
or are they oh hello and let me talk to you about x because i'm we, i have all sorts of people in here and some mm-hmm. people say oh no my team love me and other people go they are scared of me and i'm quite happy what do you think they say well i don't like to be the wicked witch of the west but you're never going to be a pussycat when you have got millions involved and so i think as a woman you always have to be approachable um, uh, I don't want to come over as some kind of ghastly character. Uh, but at the same time, I have a level that I expect to see achieved by myself and everybody around me. One of the byproducts of building a business like this is money. And I always, are, I always talk about money because people have funny relationships with money. Someone once said to me, a, a relationship with money is like a castle that someone sits in and everyone sits in a different castle. And it's, it has, I, have, I personally have my own relationship and I'm sure you do. I'm interested to know whether it matters. You've talked about the fact that the stakes are high, but the output is that you've you've done really well. Does that does that affect the way you think about life? It's sort of my cupboard to to bigger space question in a different way. Well, coming from a quite a simple background, um, I I would never take it for granted, and I I'll always feel a bit like a poor church mouse. But that's my weirdness. Um, but I feel that. It's worth just going for what you want to achieve and never putting anything in the way of it. Um, And I like to have the best, but you can't have too many very famous artists because it doesn't work and it hasn't got an authentic- authenticity. So I like to mix things up and it's it's better that something has a bit of soul and feels authentic than anything to do with price. And what does success then look like for you every day, Kit? Because, you know, some people would look and go, wow, they've created this empire, they could stop tomorrow and put the feet up. What drives you every day to create the next thing? Well, I keep now being asked to do different things and I just have this uh, colossal appetite for doing it. And while I have that, I'm just going to haul everybody else along with me too. Uh, and when are you at your happiest? Tell me, is it is it in the creative process moment? Is it when you see something brilliant that a young designer has done? Is it when something magical happens in the the hotel? You know, when you just feel like the world's disappeared and you're in that moment, when is that for you? Um, When I enter a room and I don't need to do anything and it just looks so fabulous. But most of the time, I'm really only needed when it's not looking its very best. Um, But also, I think to be creative, you've always got to have that little gap at the top of your head. So there always has to be that balance where you can get away and walk or ride or be in the countryside just to have that punctuation during the week, which is just a bit of greenery. You're a writer as well now. You've written a couple of books, one in 2012, I think, and one in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. I'm doing another one now. Doing another one now, right. And what's driven you to write? Because you've designed, you've created a hotel, you've got these lines and things. Writing's a very different discipline. It is a different discipline. And actually, it was one of my first loves, writing. Um, At school, it was something that I was actually pretty good at. Um, So... I like to sit down and just put things on paper. And of course, once you do that, it it puts everything in place and it shows you where you are and um, where you have been. And um, it's a good process. And do you do you say I'm going to do an hour today? I'm going to do two hours. Do you sit and focus like that, or is is that is there a different approach for you? Well, it's also a very visual thing because I have I have photographs and my work is always progressing. So I try and keep it current. People don't really want to know what I did 
five years ago. They want to know what's going on now. And I have a lot going on. I like to keep busy so I can write it down. And in terms of writing it down and being busy, what are the next few years holding for you beyond the book? What, what sorts of things are you doing that shape the world around you? Well, we'll be probably doing another hotel in New York. I'm going to be over taking over Bergdorf's on the seventh floor, which is their home section, and doing all things Kit Kemp in there. So we're quite excited about that. Uh, there's going to be the book next year, then um, a second Wedgwood collection, which is coming out, and then this fabric and wallpaper collection that I'm just working on now. And it means that I'm going up north, which I love. I didn't know the north before, but I've been to Accrington and Preston and going to the factories there. And as I walk through the mills themselves, I'm seeing names like Pierre Frey and Thibault. Pierre Frey is French. There's Dolce Gabbana, that's Italian, and Thibault, which is American. And they're all still printing up north. And I just hope that they remain doing that in the future now, um, because you can lose... Um, a whole lot of expertise on recognising colour uh, in one generation. And I'm, I'm working with these guys that look as if they've come straight out of the pub. They don't look like designers. And yet when I talk to them about colour and how to achieve it, they're the guys that know. And that sense of artisanship, which is really what you're alluding to, how do you ensure that you're as close as you can be to the best? I think one of the greatest gifts is possibly not to be the best, but to actually know how to get the best out of other people. And that means that you have to understand them and be appreciative. And tell me, just before I, we go to your song choice, and I have to let you go today, um, to you, what do you think now as you look towards the next five, ten years, and you're going to be busy, because I've just heard, you know, a mere mortal would have one of those things. You've got four or five of them rock, rocking at the same time. What are, what's, what is the thing that really matters to you what, as you go through now and you look at these different things? If you look back, what will you say was important to you about everything that you've been doing? Gosh, that's quite a hard question. I didn't say it'd all be easy, Kit. <laughs> got, to, got to throw one difficult one yes. in there. But is it is it the integrity? Is it the is it the joy of other people? I mean, why are you almost doing the, all these things that you're doing? I want to know how long it's going to last. Um, I want to know if it's going to look uh, as good in ten years' time as it, as it does today. I'm sure it will. And if it doesn't, you'll make it better. Listen, it's been lovely to talk to you today. Thank you. And I look forward to going to these new hotels in New York and going back to the hotels I love in London. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, Every Time We Say Goodbye by Ella Fitzgerald. And um, quite a few years ago, um, I decided I wanted to learn the piano and I had a piano teacher called David Rennie. And I, we used to have this joke and I'd say, right, when everybody gets sofa up and the children leave home, I'm going to go and be a jazz pianist in New Orleans. And I was trying to learn every time we say goodbye. And David used to say to me, Kit, you're still the hat check girl. You haven't made it onto that piano. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it is just for you. That's brilliant. Thank you, Kit. That 
was Ella Fitzgerald with Every Time We Say Goodbye. The song choice of my business shaper today, Kit Kemp. Someone who just said, you've got to do it. You don't want to overthink it. And she got involved in creating her first hotel with her soon-to-be husband. Someone who looked for gaps to enable her to experiment and to find that space for her passion for creativity. And someone who fundamentally understood what a hotel is about and indeed understands what a hotel is about, and that is creating a sense of arrival. All brilliant stuff. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishkondorea.com forward slash jazz shapers.